Louis Erickson has agreed to a six-year deal with Vancouver Canucks. Yo, what up, sports fans? My name is Aaron Warner. With me, as always, my co-host, Stefan Heck, and we have a very special guest today. You know him from the Canucks Conversation and Canucks Army, Chris Faber. How's it going, guys? What's up, Chris? Yo, I'm doing uh, good, fellas. I, uh, am I the first two-time guest on... Uh, you you are. You are. Cool. You're our first returning guest. Yeah. yeah. That's monumental. Huge. <laughs> very excited um, about that. I, I need to get something out of the way first before we get going, because... When I listened back, I do that sometimes when I'm a first-time guest on a show. I say, like, 150 fucking times. And I did that <laughs> on your guys' show the first time, so I'm making, like, very conscious effort to not say well, like before every third word. From what I can surmise from editing the podcast occasionally, like, for Patreon and stuff. See, I just did it as well. Uh, Stefan and I say like and uh a whole lot as well. So maybe <laughs> yeah. you're just... Uh, you're just uh, like mirroring what we were doing, <laughs> and it just rubbed off poorly on you. <laughs> it could be that way. I, I feel like it was. I thought there was going to be a full class at BCIT when I did broadcasting of how to not say like and uh. Like I wanted a full semester of like practicing <laughs> and not doing it, but that never happened. So uh, thanks again, BCIT. I, I mean, me, maybe it's different because you're more of a legitimate radio show or like YouTube show. But I feel podcasting is supposed to be more conversational, so you don't need the radio voice, and you can say like and uh and fucking like what the fuck uh just like you would do in like a normal conversation because people are listening to you not only for like hear good opinions or whatever you'd get from listening to us, but uh, there's like a, a what, what's that thing parasocial relationship? Yeah, there's I saw a tweet once where they're saying. You, they hate when they're listening to a podcast and the hosts are like, oh yeah, but the, the listeners don't care about this. Let's move on. It's like, yes, I, I, I'm i not listening to you because I like care about interesting stuff. I'm listening to you because you're like my friends that live in my ears. <laughs> just, just keep going with whatever inane shit that I have no context for. Yeah. But this this episode we're gonna we're gonna talk about some important stuff. Yeah, this is gonna be a real smart episode. We're coming up with the draft, which is yeah. why we wanted Chris to swing by. Uh, first, though, I want to. I don't know if it's like a new segment or if it's just an idea. I didn't even run this past Stefan, but I think over the summer, because yeah. this is a lot of what uh, like the podcast devolves into is just general Canucks outlook. I kind of want to do just a vibes report, the Canucks vibes report, like how you're feeling going into next season. And maybe it will carry over into the actual season as well, but then there's going to be games and stuff to talk about. So, you know, like maybe give it like five outlaw stars. Like what's your vibe around the team? How how are you feeling? I will say, I think given, I mean, this is, we're going to talk about this obviously with, with all the draft stuff, but the players that they apparently took to dinner, uh, I'm feeling okay about that. So that's helping a little bit. I'm thinking maybe they're not going to trade the 11th overall pick now. And I will say this. This is a bit of breaking news here uh, from uh, Donnie and Dolly. Uh, on uh, This is about the Pedersen draft. And this is something that I think maybe people have assumed for a while. 
but this is Dolly Wall saying this, that Jim Benning wanted Cody Glass over Elias Patrick. Oh, my. <laughs> so my vibes are good because he's not in charge anymore, I guess. And, and, but that's, it, it, it is kind of nice to get that confirmation as well. My God. Well, Could if, you imagine? If you remember who the WHL scout was at the time, it was Brandon Benning. Right, he was the WHL scout for the right. Uh, right. time, so he yes. was probably like, "Yeah, like, come on, Dad, get me that that guy that I've been watching, you know, oh. six times this year. Uh, get us Cody Glass." And yeah, a lot of people wanted Glass at the time too, right? Like, I think that's that's something the Canucks can do at this draft as well. Is like, go get the player. There, I know I said like four times, but uh, <laughs> go get. Well, the you've player. made me aware of it too. Now I'm hearing it. I'm hearing all the us and likes. That's even worse now. <laughs> Uh, but go out and get the player that maybe is like 20th ranked on a lot of like the consolidated rankings and, and potentially like that's the player that you find who has like a significant value like Pedersen did when he was drafted. He wasn't really a top 10 pick on a lot of the rankings at the time. I think Bob McKenzie had him maybe like 9th or 10th, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly. And like, I will say th- that's like the one call that I've made as a Canucks fan. Uh, and as like a amateur draft guy uh, that I'm like most proud of was saying in March of that year, I really want them to draft Elias Patterson and like calling my shot on that. Like that's the one thing I'm like most proud of. I think it was um, the perfect pin tweet, right? You had that pin for a long time. It was the perfect oh, yeah. pin tweet yeah. to have. Cause it's <laughs> yeah, just anytime I mean, anyone challenges you on like being wrong about stuff, just be like, go check the page, check the page. Exactly. <laughs> like that's a very good thing to be correct about. But I do remember I, you're right. Like, a lot of, especially a lot of Canucks fans wanted Cody Glass, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's he's a WHL center. That's the type of player the Canucks kind of haven't drafted over the years necessarily. Um, That's what got and, us for Tannen. Oh God. <laughs> well, I remember that being applauded at the time, not by everybody, yeah. because there was obviously like a very vocal uh, contingent of fans that wanted uh, Nylander or Ellers. But I remember saying like, this is the exact type of pick that. GM Mike Gillis was too afraid to make a local kid, big body. And so I remember just like reading HF boards and seeing a bunch of people psyched about that. Yeah. Even though it was like, it was one of those picks and it was kind of like the Ulevi pick. I mean, not to relive. I guess that's kind of what the show is about, but here we go. uh, (laughs) Not to relive, you know, 2016 or, you know, whatever. But that was one of those picks that was like so telegraphed at the time too, where it was like, they're picking for Tannen, 100. percent And like the Ulevi one, I think Jim Benning was like specifically like talking about him in the media leading up to that draft, and it was like, oh, if he's talking about him, he's they're going to pick him, and like that's exactly what happened. I I mean I've talked about this on here before, uh, but I was at the Rogers Arena draft party for that, um, and it was just like hearing the air get sucked out of the building because it was so bad because obviously everyone wanted Kachuk, and it was like the obvious correct pick to make uh it's not like a hindsight thing at all but like they're on the same team right so you'd you'd hear from the london knights and everyone was like and then it was like i've just (sighs) never never heard the air go out of a building like that and like i i I guess i'll I'll just say like there don't there doesn't seem like there's a pick that the canucks can make like that in this year's draft which is which is nice unless there is chris the worst part was that the london knights thing you mentioned there it's almost like if you were watching the draft lottery and you know when if it like skips your team you're in the top three it's like if it was like that 
but then you get yeah. to that top three and it's like just kidding actually we screwed up you're back at 11 like yeah. that's like basically <laughs> what the yo levy pick was at the time and i i still can't believe that moment that moment was insane i actually i was going through my phone the other day and you guys remember the Yolevi picture of him laying in the corner? Like that was yeah. my photo, and yeah. I was I was deleting all like my old photos on my phone just because I was like I was so bored of like scrolling Twitter, playing Rocket League, just like no, I had nothing to do. I was so bored. Like I just said, my fiance was gone for ten days. I was like completely out of my mind. Just so I delete all my photos. I have like ten thousand photos, and I went to that group, and I had about there's about like twenty five shots that I took, like in succession like succession of just like you'll levy laying in the corner and like <laughs> there's like him like down to his hands and knees and like down the down to the side and like <laughs> i was like oh my god this is hilarious he's almost oh. i should have put it into like a I had just like a montage of him going down and laying in the corner yeah just, oh, like oh. a grid of him progressively dying more <laughs> as a reaction image when the conducts do something stupid or blow a lead or what have you i think be, or when matt kachuk does something really good because mm. that's when I, I like was reminded of that that again when they beat Carolina and Kachuk scored with like four seconds left. Like, oh yeah. Wait, remember? Remember? Yeah, but, but now, Aaron, he has a broken sternum. So the mm. Canucks don't have to deal with him rehabbing his broken sternum, right? That's so true. Like that, it's actually not that bad. Uh, but back to back to the, the summer vibes check. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really hard to be more than like, say, a three out of five yeah. because the cap situation is just so absolutely buggered that <laughs> what are you going to do, right? How could you be more than a, a, a 60%? And the bear news is a really big bummer. That sucks, yeah. The the people that they're looking at the draft, especially the stuff that came out yesterday from Dollywall, I think brings my smile up a little bit. But I think the best I can do is like a two and a half. I think that's reasonable. I think, I mean, we've... I think we've made this point before too, but like the fact that their cap situation is so bad is like kind of good in that they probably won't go out and sign any like stupidly expensive contracts. Like they just can't. So that's, I guess that's kind of good and it's obviously extremely bad too. Um, but yeah, Chris, what's, what's your general vibe uh, on the Canucks? Yeah. I mean, I think the I'm at like a two and a half stars probably I guess here, but it's it's more just about I'm still like I, nothing's changed in my mind. When the season ended, I said yeah they can make the playoffs next year if everything goes right, and that's kind of what they're banking on again next year. I mean they're not going to they're not going to trade J T Miller in the next 16 days. They're not going to make significant changes. You take that roster. back. <laughs> I mean hey hey <laughs> like if it happens. It, <laughs> It'll happen. No, you're right. <laughs> it probably like, won't happen. I think if they've shown us anything, right, it's that they're hesitant to make those big splashy moves that we were expecting a year ago leading up to the draft. So, Yeah, and then I, th I think just the fact that next year is going to be, like if if they miss the playoffs next year, like management's going to have a lot more heat on them. And Ooh, they're going to yeah. be at that That's point so funny of, to think about. Like, because it yeah. still seems like they're, they've been here for like six months, but it's it's been... I mean, it'll be coming up on two years in December, basically. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're totally right. And it's like, it's kind of their fault for like, for saying we're just going to do a quick retool and we'll, we'll be back in the playoffs before you know it, right? Like they've put this like target on their back of like, okay, you can expect us to make the playoffs. If we don't make it, that's a failure, right? Yeah, they've, they've yeah. put them, they chose that road to take, right? Like there was a very different road where you do trade JT Miller and maybe keep a Horvat instead or like you trade off some picks you don't make the trade for Philip Peronic and then you're like okay 
they got some time here, right? Like they have some time to to really not be in the hot seat yet, but they've put themselves there now if they don't make the playoffs next year. And I even thought about that when the three players came out um, that I know Harmon Dial wasn't reported it, that they went out to dinner with at the Combine. Uh, Colby Barlow, Nate Danielson, and Tom Willander. And I thought, yeah. okay, it makes, makes a lot of sense that Willander's one of them. Danielson's been rumored for months. Uh, if you see a lot of these mock drafts, he kind of slots in at 11 a lot of the time. And then Colby Barlow, I was like, huh, why Colby Barlow? Like, he's he's probably the most valuable player if you're just looking at, not looking at position, at 11 overall. And it's also very interesting with Barlow because he is kind of like the most pro ready out of the top three right yeah. so he, yeah i was wondering like okay are, are they thinking that colby barlow is going to play in the nhl on the fourth line next year like is that the reason why they took him out i bet that was you know that conversation had to be had over whatever like you know buffalo wings like they had yeah. to at least touch on that because that's why i can see his name being in the mixer it's like do they want to push him in at 18 yeah. and play on the fourth line because he has like an NHL shot, he has NHL size already, right? Like NHL beard. <laughs> yeah, he sort of reminds me just just like looking at him. He 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 gives me uh, Gadjevich vibes, where it's like, oh, this guy's like forty years old. Like <laughs> this isn't some seventeen year old kid, you know? Wouldn't that just be the most insanely Canucks move as well? You you draft the guy that you think can play the soonest at that position. Oh yeah. Like it's yeah. it's it's classic Canucks shortcut taking. So I, I think that's a a very good point. Barlow's and interesting like to, though too because he is a very good winger, but he's yeah. a winger, right? And then maybe he isn't rushed into the NHL. But I think that's if he does get drafted by the Canucks, that scenario is absolutely on the table. They're gonna put him in training camp. They're probably gonna give him that nine game trial at least, right? Like yeah. I can't see Barlow just. If he's the guy that they draft, I can't see him just being immediately sent back to the OHL. Like they will give him that nine game trial and maybe he looks like an NHLer because you see the way that these players develop and how they've changed over the past like 20 years. There are going to start being more guys that jump in that are picked, you know, seventh overall, 11th overall. Like these type of players are going to be NHL ready. It's just the way that players are getting bigger, faster, stronger, and just like in general better right like i i think there's a world where it actually happens and you see barlow on like the fourth line you know killing penalties and he feels like a guy that rick talkett would probably really like to mm, like yeah if you watch the way this kid plays he's been a captain for a couple years in the o and uh for canada the u18s he's killing penalties first power play you know like he's he does a lot of really good things for a winger and it's uh, honestly a winger and like i mean obviously like the canucks have kind of a surplus of those <laughs> but I think selfishly that would be great for all of us because it would give us something to talk about for the first nine games. Like, is Colby Barlow going to stay with a big team or are they yeah. sending him back? Will they release him to go play the World Junior? Like, there's a lot it, of it's like, always bullshit so fun about to have that. A, a rookie to follow because otherwise, like, what are we really looking for in Canucks rookies next year, right? Like, like maybe Jet Wu makes the team as like the seventh D man, <laughs> right? Hirose like plays a full year, but like, it's not like Karamaki is, is coming up or anything, right? So Right. Well, and the other thing about drafting a winger is the Canucks need elite wingers too. Like, they just need more talent. So yeah. if it is a winger taken in that position, like, it would be great. It, I think we're already getting into the, the prospect stuff, but based on my, uh, my vibe scouting, which is watching, like, two-minute clips on YouTube and reading the EP ringside... Uh, prospect report and just whatever other articles yeah, how, I can how see many, about how it. Many, how many pages in are you on the draft guide right now? 
Uh, so I've I've read basically all, the whole first round, and then yeah. I've just been like scrolling around to about where the Canucks could pick in the third round, and being like, okay, that guy looks pretty good. Yeah. All I right, that's all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was gonna bring this up later, but like I read Chris's article about like the home runs and Antoine Wahlberg. If he was to drop, sounds super interesting. Uh, six foot three, left shot center, might move to left wing, but had like three goals in twenty SHL games as a seventeen year old. Um. Elite Prospects has him ranked at 60, so he would have to drop a bit. And with that profile, I I would be psyched if he did, but I like, wouldn't be banking on it. But I guess also, this is something we haven't really touched on. The Canucks have a bunch of extra... They have like thirds and fourths, right? They have quite a few thirds and fourths, so they could potentially trade up into like the late second, maybe. Yeah, I think it's five, uh, maybe. Picks, five picks between third and fourth round. It starts at like yeah. 75 um, and then goes to one... 19 so they have five picks between those 45 ish numbers there like yeah mm-hmm. there's a lot of players I, I literally am like to my left here i have like a list of all the players i think <laughs> oh, are, are good yeah. in that range um there so out of the let's see seven out of the 12 players there there are 10 right shot defensemen so i just want them to draft all right shot defensemen at that well that like, and all we, of those i picks. think we we talked about this maybe when you were on last and, and we've talked about this so many times before too like Legitimately, I don't think it's a bad strategy for you to pick like best player available first couple rounds and then only pick right hand D the rest of the draft. Because yep. if one or two of those hit, that's like the most valuable position in hockey, right? And totally. then you're you're golden. I think that's the thing that's you watch it on the trade market. Every time that there's a superstar traded, there's a right shot defenseman who is picked between forty and sixty in that trade going the other way. Yeah. Like, it happens <laughs> every single time. Like, shout out to my cousin Brock Faber. Like he was involved in the Kevin Fiala trade. Like he's a perfect example of that. Like it's you're not and that's the thing that I think the Canucks need to I wrote an article today for Canucks Army, like looking at Nashville as a trade down option because if Will Lander or Danielson are the guys to look at, they're probably going to be there at 15. If not, Simashev's going to be there. Uh, yeah. Maybe, maybe like Axel Sandy and Pelika at 15. Like I still don't even like them there. But you can trade down and get a second round pick. Nashville has a ton of picks. They have four picks in the top 50. They're the home of the draft. Look yeah. at what Montreal did last year at the draft. Like you know, Nashville's going to want to put on a show. Uh, and I think that's the interesting thing about the Canucks being at 11 because the 11th overall pick has been traded in two of the past four drafts. And it's kind of interesting to me because that spot is you're obviously whatever you do, if you're trading up to 11, you're hundred percent sure you're getting a guy who's top 10 on your board. Right. I I also think you're probably moving up to 11. If you think a guy who's top five on your board is there. So if it is, you know, Zach Benson, I, I would hate, I wouldn't like the Canucks to really like move out of that spot if you can get Benson there. But if it's someone like, Maybe a team really likes ASP there. Like, they want ASP. He's yeah. a top five player for them on their board, and they want to move up. If Nashville really likes him, maybe he's the guy that they, they can trade up for. I just think Nashville is one to watch. And then the Canucks get 15th overall. They can add a second-round pick. They can, you know, they can draft two defensemen there. They can draft a center and a defenseman there. Like, I just think they really need a second-round pick in this draft. And as much as I'd like them to pick at 11, unless it falls perfectly to them where Reinbacker is kind of there or your Benson's kind of there, like, I... I'm fine with them trading down four picks and just getting another guy. Maybe it's not your favorite at 11. Like, maybe it isn't uh, Colby Barlow if you think he's the best player available, but it's like four picks later, you're getting Danielson or something anyways. And, like, he's fine. He's going to be like Brandon Sutter pretty much. Like, you're, you know, hopefully maybe better. It doesn't get hurt all the time. But yeah, there's not a huge Doesn't difference. need Ivor of Mankton. Yeah. yeah. I, 
Yeah, maybe he's better that way. But like, I, I just think like between eleven and fifteen, if you really, really break it down, like I don't think it's that different in this draft. Like you're, you're probably getting like your maybe one or two players off of your top five when you're actually picking at eleven. If you have to drop down to fifteen, but I really think you're yeah. getting a player you're happy with there. Yeah, you're Matt, Matthew second. Wood could be at fifteen. Exactly. Like, yeah. 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 Like I think in the top ten, there's probably eight locks: Bedard, Fantilli, Carlson, Mitch Cobb, Smith. Leonard, Reinbacher, probably Dvorsky, maybe seven locks, but I really don't see Dvorsky getting down to 11. And so you need like two teams to go off the board with like a Will Lander and a Colby Barlow or Oliver Moore in order for like Zach Benson to drop to you. And even if that doesn't happen, you're going to have either your entire platter of guys that you took out for dinner or Oliver Moore sitting right there, right? So you're pretty much guaranteed like the best consolation prize or maybe uh, I think Benson falling is the best case scenario, right? But like or like Ryan Leonard, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. You think I, I from what I've read, I think Leonard's like trending up though, yeah. right? Like I think he's... like people have said Montreal really likes Leonard. Uh Montreal is gonna be so funny. I that's kind of what I'm, other than the Canucks pick, I'm looking forward to Montreal's pick the most because they're either going to make their fan base extremely happy by taking Mitchkov um, or like Will Smith if Mitchkov has been uh, picked, or they're going to take Leonard or Reinbacher and just really piss off all of their fans, even though those are like great prospects, you know? Yeah, it just it feels a little rich, especially when you have Mitchkov sitting right there. And I think we might have had yeah. this conversation last time I was on because it's it's sort of risky for a GM to take. Mitchkov, obviously, especially in the job security that these teams that are drafting the top seven are kind of at. But I've been thinking about it more, and I'm like, man, I, I really think that it might help a GM down the road when they're on their final straw, and they're like, hey, like, but look at our prospect pool. We have blah, 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 blah. Matt Vey Mitchkov, he's coming in a couple of years. Like, I do think that maybe isn't as bad or as risky for a GM to pick, especially in these teams that are just bad, like in a bad well, situation. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. If you're San Jose or Montreal, like, yeah, totally. Completely. What do you have to lose? And like San Jose, like they just hired Mike Greer, right? So he has like, it's not like he's going to get fired like next year when they're <laughs> bad again, right? Like Mitchkov to San Jose makes a lot of sense. Um, um, but, so uh, just about that job security of GMs, I kind of wanted to rewind to what we're talking about with Canucks management and being in the hot seat in three years and then like get into a bit more prospects after but it seems like the most pragmatic smart thing to do in my opinion if you're the Canucks is to pretty much just like roll with what you've got right now and then there's a lot more freedom that opens up next season but Chris as you said earlier they've kind of put themselves in the hot seat by making these win now moves so do you feel like those two things are in, like working in opposition with each other? Yeah, somewhat. It's and it's funny. Maybe one like takes away the other one because like we talked about the JT Miller trade at one point there, and it was like they still could go back down the like retool, rebuild yeah. more. Like look I, at Columbus. Columbus is going fucking yeah. crazy, and they have cap space. So <laughs> I think it's you watch, and it's like in a, a retool, is such a hard thing to talk about because like you can talk about like a retool slash rebuild or like a retool slash be competitive. Right. And I think mm -hmm. the Canucks haven't really established which side of the retool they're on. Are they retool rebuilding or retool being competitive? And I think they're leaning a little bit more towards the retool of being competitive like next mm -hmm. year, but you can still build and like actually do a legitimate retool instead of just, 
like you can't trade first and second round picks in a retool. Like I, I just don't think you can do that if you're in, in still rebuilding mode a little bit, which I think the Canucks are still at. So they have like a road where, man, they could, if they do move JT Miller for whatever picks or prospects and things like that, like they could buy themselves some time. Like they buy time there with a JT Miller trade, but they've already, like they, they're the ones who made this contract offer to him that he signed that hasn't fully started just yet. But like they're already committed, right? Like that's what makes me think I don't, like I can't see a JT Miller trade actually. Well, it's happening. also a bad look if you're like, you know, you're no movement or no trade clause. Is it no movement and then no trade? Something like that. Anyways, it kicks in in two weeks here. We're sending you to Columbus or Winnipeg or whatever what other like fantasy destination we've made up, right? That's probably not a good look for, you know, bringing in prospective players if that's how your organization treats, you know, what we're assumed to be core pieces, etc. So I think it's it's great to fantasize about, but I, it doesn't seem likely to me. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I don't know we've talked about, God, we've talked about <laughs> our like off season fantasies so much, like buying out OEL, uh, trading Myers, you know, not trading Garland, trading JT Miller. And I, I guess I think we've kind of settled on like, they're not going to just, they're just going to do the bare minimum because they can't really do much more. Um, which is, you know, maybe for the best. Um, but should we should we get into just general draft talk right now? What, one more gonna... thing, one yes. more thing, and then general draft talk. Yeah. <laughs> Ethan Bear needs shoulder surgery, oh. four to five month recovery, which would put him coming back like maybe October, November if you're lucky, which means you're starting the year without Ethan Bear, and then potentially just having him not at all on the team if you don't qualify him. Uh, just for financial reasons, and he's going to be out for so long. Which, I mean, if you don't qualify him because he's going to miss two months, like, how much did you like the player in the first place, I suppose? But it does make the right side of the defense look a lot uh, shittier. Yeah. Because, like, I say, well, okay, you got Heronic, you got Bear, and you got Myers. Like, that's, that's an NHL defense. It's not, like, a good one, but it's looking better than the left side of Hughes, OEL, and who knows. Yeah. So now it's, I guess, there's two who knows there, which also probably dials back my vibe meter a little bit. Do you do you sign Bear to like a one-year show-me contract kind of thing now? Like, is that sort of the situation? I, I think that, yeah, and then LTI, and then it doesn't really affect you until he comes back. Yeah, I just feel bad for him because he seems like just such a great guy. He was fun to watch oh, yeah. last year. Um, they took a great gamble on him. So I I hope they re-sign him for a contract that works for both the player and the team. But um, yeah, Chris, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a one year deal for him for sure. He's an RFA, right? Like I think he becomes a UFA after this one year deal as well. So it makes the most sense for him financially as well, especially the fact that he's going through a shoulder surgery. So uh, I think he'll sign a one year deal, and we'll see what it looks like. But it it also opens up the door of like. I think we all kind of had him penciled in to play with Quinn Hughes, right? Like it was mm-hmm. a fine situation watching him play with Quinn Hughes. Now I'm curious to see like who is going to play with Quinn Hughes. Jet Wu. I mean, he's, yeah, that was the goal like three years ago, right? When, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was the goal. The plans finally come to fruition. Jim Benning's a genius. Uh, but it's going to, it depends so much because it's like, do you want Philip Hironic to try and help OEL get a bounce back season or now because there's no bear? 
are you just going to run back with Hironic and Quinn Hugh? Like, are you going to give that a try off the start and then go back to the Myers OEL pairing that worked when both no. were healthy? Like, no. The, uh, no. Like, Actually, yeah, do it. I want, I want to draft Mac with Celebrini, so just <laughs> knock yourselves out. Do whatever. Who cares? <laughs> I think uh, Celebrini's brother's in this draft too. He's a right shot defenseman, so maybe. Hey, okay. Oh, that's you got to yeah, plant the seeds. That's why I want them to take Matthew Wood. Mm. He can talk to his buddy uh, Connor Bedard a few years yeah. from now and be like, "Hey, it's so cool here. I love playing in my home <laughs> province." But yeah, I guess on that note, let's talk about the the dinner five. So I think for any non-draft sickos, we should preface this and say the the draft combine was in Buffalo this past weekend. And the Canucks took uh, five players to Dinosaur Barbecue in uh, <laughs> that we know actually, of, I guess. I, well, I don't know if it was Dinosaur Barbecue, but I hope so because a great barbecue spot in Buffalo. Honestly, I've been kind of pissed off at the Buffalo slander I've heard after this last week. Buffalo, great town, yeah. great places to eat, good people. It feels like Canada, but it's not. We got some Buffalo um, listeners. Yeah, I, no, I've, I've got all the time in the world for Buffalo, but yeah, they took five players out. There's let's just run through them and get like Chris's opinion on them. So let's talk with Tom Willander or Villander, maybe. I'm not doing that. I one time I, I asked Patrick <laughs> Alvina, I was like, So, like, what's the situation with and I real I went real hard. I was like, Linus Carlson, and he's like, Oh, yeah, he's like, Yeah, Linus is coming over next year. I was like, Fuck you, man. I was like, I fucking tried so hard. Just like, you know, what, you know, the one that fucked me up about that is there's this all this discourse about Atu Ratu Atu is not ratty as Ratu and then you hear fucking Patrick Alvine speak and he's like Atu ratty and I'm like alright well fuck me I guess <laughs> right after that he he was walking out and we were still like talking to him after the media availability he's like oh he's like it's Ratu right and we're like yeah it's like, like I think like it was him and C-Mac like it was Ratu Ratu and they're like oh like oh whatever like you know see what happened um, Tom Willander I think he's uh He's similar to me how uh, Rhinebacker was like five months ago when I really started watching him a ton, and I was like, oh, he's really good. He can move the puck. So I, I got excited about Will Lander, and I think a lot of people are kind of doing the same right now of like, yeah, he's a right shot D. You can move the puck. He looked pretty good in J20. He was playing like 30 minutes a night in the final like uh, 10 games of his J20 season, so they really relied upon him, uh, and he was good. Like that's, uh, that's something that I actually really do like to see when these players don't play in the SHL. If they're playing J20, like – play them for fucking 30 minutes a night, like, if, if yeah. they can do mm -hmm. it, and let them showcase how good they actually are. And that's the thing with Will Lander. He didn't put up a ton of points. Like, he he was nice at the U18s. I know he contributed a lot offensively there, but he just looks like a very good defenseman in the J20 league. And um, he's coming to the NCAA now, right? I think that was reported. Of that's yeah, he's really going, cool, He's going to yeah. BU, I think, which yeah. is, like, you don't see that happen very often with European players. No. And I think that's pretty cool as well because, I mean, BU is a pretty good team, are they not? Yeah, no, they, they definitely are. And I found that really interesting. And Harm and I just had this discussion on the show the other day of like, I wonder why. Like, is he doing it to get to the NHL at the end of next season? Like, is he going yeah. to just do a one and done type of like basketball move and just go join a team next year? Or is he going there to develop in North America? Like, I actually don't really know the answer. I, I'm. He might want to be like two years in the NCAA, or maybe he's doing this to like get quicker to the AHL or NHL. I, I, like, I was shocked. I, I, I think it's a really smart idea if he's doing it to like climatize to the smaller ice in the North American yeah. game. And then also, he'll probably play more in the NCAA versus if he was in the SHL, right? Because it's going to be more of his peers. So that's cool. But and then it also does open up a like 
faster path to the NHL if that's the route that he wants to take because then he is because they're beholden if they're like playing in Sweden that they can't go to the AHL before they're what 21 20 they've changed Something that like actually that? they changed that last summer so they they're able to come at 18 now just like Sweden, okay like the Sweden Hockey Foundation just gets a shitload of money for like first round uh, picks, uh if they come over to the AHL I think uh San Jose has done that right like William Eklund did it um yeah and their other Swedish player they both came at like in teenage years and ended up playing so and that, I guess like Juracek last year was like yeah. he came over from from Europe I think well, Reinbacker so. might be the same this year playing in the yeah. AHL after he's drafted mm. um but yeah, yeah. Does Will Ender's lack of production at J20 concern you at all? Uh, not really. That that Rogla team was horrible in the J20 leagues. Um, I think it, it doesn't really worry me that much. Um, I mean, he like he played power play time in the games that I watched, and specifically at the end of the year, he's playing a lot of power play time. And I just think his his shot isn't the best. Like that's that's probably the weakest point of his game. The best part's his skating. Uh, his physicality is pretty okay for his size. Like he's not a six four monster, but he's a six one guy who's stronger than most six foot one hockey players. Like he maybe you know maybe he isn't one hundred and sixty pounds like when he takes off his gear. So like he, he's a stronger player, but um, I I don't see him being. I've talked about this type of defenseman a lot. It's like a support defenseman. Like he's not a number one, but he's a guy who can support a number one. Um, the Canucks have a prospect who does that actually like Jacob Truscott. Uh, he was Owen Powers partner. He was Luke Hughes right. partner. Like he's a support guy. He does all the stuff that the the number one guy doesn't really want to do. Uh, and I think that's what Will Lander does. So I think you like the fact that he's a right shot guy because there's more kind of number one ish type of guys that are left-handed or guys that can like have the potential to be a number one. So he, he's a guy who could be on a top pairing one day, like playing with a number one, but he's never going to be the guy who plays on your top pairing and he's the better defenseman. Like, I, I don't yeah. even know if he does that in a top four pairing. Like, I think he's always going to be kind of a, a support guy for whichever line he's in, but I can see him playing top four minutes, whether it's top pairing or not. Kind of depends on, like, what your personnel is on your defense core. Yeah. Which, it's like, inter- the Canucks need all the help they can get back there, but, like, mm-hmm. that's a useful... That's a useful player to have. It's not like yeah. a sexy, exciting player, mm-hmm. right? But they can't all be sexy and exciting. It's interesting because, like, yeah, at 11, you want a difference maker. You want to find, like, Miko Ratanen. But the type of player you're describing is very rare and very valuable and, like, super good to have on your team. So I, I feel like I'd be okay if it happens, but I kind of also hope that, you know... St. Louis drafts them because they miss out on Reinbacher and it's not a decision that we have to, Yeah, the club has to make. Like you you shouldn't pick Willander at 11 as much as I'd like him as a defenseman. He is, you can trade down and still get Willander. Like you really can. You can pick up that second round pick that you're missing and you can probably still draft Willander. He's right shot. So on draft day, he's going to see his value rise, but I don't think it's going to rise enough to be considered like a legit, Maybe a team loves him. Maybe I'm wrong, but he would be a surprise to me if he goes in the top 12, yeah. I think. Okay. Now, um, someone like it, uh, Nate Danielson. Yeah. Uh, who who they, they took to dinner. Uh, he seems like a very safe pick is what everyone's saying, but I know, you know, I'm I'm looking at like the athletics mock drafts every day, and it seems like they're putting out a new one every day, which is great. Yeah. But uh, Corey Pronman loves Nate Danielson. He has him at like his seventh overall prospect, I think, on his rankings. Um. But yeah, what are your thoughts on him? Because I know his thing is he's a little bit older too, right? Yeah, one of the older players in the draft. And I just, I said it the other day on our show and I was like, yeah, he's, he's Brandon Sutter. Like Brandon Sutter went 11th overall. <laughs> I mean, he's yeah. <laughs> it's very similar type of player, I think, coming out uh, 
really coming out of like the WHL. Like it's you're getting a third line center. You hope as long as he hits and he's a player that probably has a pretty high floor. Uh, the ceiling is also one of the lower ones that you'll see of players picked in the top 20. So you're getting what you get here. You hope that he can kind of figure out the same way that like Bo Horvat figured out his skating. Maybe Danielson can figure out his scoring touch. And I mean, I don't think that's the biggest but- thing to ask either. Like you can, you can learn how to score different. And I think you can do that a lot when you start to kind of grow into your man body as well and see how it's like to shoot the puck a little bit more with more muscle on you or how you yeah. can get a little bit more stronger in front of the net when you're, you know, 20 more pounds of muscle on your body. So I, I don't think that scoring touch is going to be the hardest thing to find, but he's not exciting, especially if, like, Zach Benson's there. You're like, fuck, yeah. like, he's so Yeah, that watch. that's the one that would really, I think, irk me. Mm-hmm. But, like, a thing I've read in a couple of different sources is that... Danielson is where the like public draft rankers and then like the private with teams differ the most. It seems like teams value him a lot more than non teams do. Is there, is there any like reason for that? Or is it just like teams like safe, safe guess, stuff? Or, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's probably a player that like the, you know, when you're talking to NHL scouts, I bet his name gets brought up a lot because he feels like a smokescreen name to throw out there as well like I bet every team like whoever their reporter is who's talking to their scouts has probably heard Nate Danielson's name mentioned he just feels like a smokescreen player of like I don't know if any team's like obsessed with Nate Danielson but every right. team's gonna say like oh we like him we like him a lot maybe he's our guy at uh, you know 12 it, or 13 that happened in, what, the, in the athletics uh, where they they interviewed the executives and the scouts they the scouts they brought up Danielson so much hmm. to the point where yeah it did feel like a smokescreen <laughs> Well, one of the big things for Danielson is his skating and physicality, right? Now, like, does it concern you at all that he's doing that in junior against more boys and it won't translate as well to the NHL? Or does he play more of a defensive-oriented, hard-to-play-against style that will, like, play up? Yeah, he played a ton, right? Like, I think his his week, I think the Wheat Kings were really bad this year. They only had one other drafted player like NHL drafted player on their roster. It's <laughs> like that's so that's a really bad WHL team. When you look at how many, yeah. you know, 18, 19, 20 year olds make a huge difference to your team and Danielson led the way in points. So it's like not like his offense was bad. And then now that I'm actually seeing like the players that he's playing, I have no idea who I, I don't know any of these players. So I think that like that's maybe a little bit more impressive than some of the offensive stuff. I I'll just be honest, I haven't spent a lot of time watching him. Um just like personally. So I, I just I, it's weird. I, I believe a lot of the stuff scouting reports about him, but I just haven't seen enough of him to like have a full opinion on Nate Danielson, but I probably should because like he, he keeps getting mocked to the Canucks at 11. So I've just seen like clips here and there. And I haven't actually spent time yeah. like today spending fucking seven hours watching KHL. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, maybe the hope is there. something like Kessler, right? Where, yeah. you know, it, we're coming on 20 years uh, anniversary of him getting picked, which is insane. But like he was not like a super sexy pick back then. And then obviously turned into in his prime, like the best defensive forward in the NHL, arguably. Yeah. Um, That's why I would want to watch Danielson Moore's like, is he a pest or is he just a smart player? Cause I'm very curious Mm. to see what he's more of. Uh, If he leans towards pest, then I would be more interested in him. If he does that instead of just a defensive guy. Well, my entire time following the Canucks, and it's probably lesser now because we're talking about the next Kessler or Horvat and not the next Trevor Linden. But I remember people saying that about Horvat and Kessler when they were drafted. But I also remember them saying that about Brendan Gaunch and Nathan Smith, right? Yeah. So that's. Oh, Patrick. (laughs) 
Not so much Patrick White. I, I remember being like excited for him because he was like in the NCAA, so it was a bit different to to read about and speculate about. But I, that's the that's the one that like really scares me is Brandon Gaunch because yeah, he made it to the NHL, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so who's next on the list? I guess Kobe Barlow, but we kind of talked about him earlier. I guess we can go a little bit more in depth. Uh, I think really the biggest knock with him would be that he's just not a center or a defenseman, right? Yeah, aside from that, you you love everything. Like he's he's a player I've spent a good amount of time watching and I really think he he plays like uh he, he plays like a what you want your captain to play like. Like he does everything. He does everything for you and he's good at everything. And yeah. I think his if he gets like another step on his skating, he's going to be a very effective, pesty type of player who is just going to piss off the opposition a lot of the time, but also score a lot of goals during that time. So uh, I like him a lot. I think whatever team gets him, and, and it'll be interesting to watch how this draft plays out. If we do see a run of just centers and defensemen in the top 15, someone's going to be really happy with Colby Barlow if he ends up sliding kind of out of that top 12 range. I think he's a really good player, and uh, if if you are looking for best player available at 11 and it kind of falls in the direction of every, like, you know, the consolidated rankings on elite prospects actually going in that route, like Colby Barlow might be the best player available there. If you're talking like combination of floor and ceiling, I think he's probably the best guy. If everything falls in the right way of like Reinbacker going in the top 10 and, and you know, not seeing Mitchkov or Benson slide out of the top 10, like mm-hmm. Barlow might be the best player available at the draft at 11. Sweet, yeah. I I'd be down for that. That that one would be like pretty exciting. And like I said earlier, like they who yes, who they got this a great right winger, right? Like yeah. and selfishly watching it, like potentially watching him on the Canucks like next year would yeah. be a lot of fun too. So yeah, like I, I have a little pea brain, so it, that works <laughs> for me too. Um, <laughs> the, and then it was reported yesterday again by Rick Dollywall that there was a couple of other guys that went to Dinosaur Barbecue. Which, by the way, if you're in Buffalo, you got to check it out. Um, Matthew Wood, who's been kind of the darling of this program for a while because he's tall and from Nanaimo. Uh, and then, like, maybe could play center, but he's playing less center last year. Like, scored a shitload as a 17-year-old in the NCAA. Talk some Matthew Wood. Well, he's got the exact same description as me. He's tall and from Nanaimo, so I think I have to like this guy. Um, Bias. But uh, I watched him play in the BCHL uh, in his final year when he came over to Coquitlam for their two games, and I thought he was incredibly ineffective. Uh, He was also in the BCHL, and I think he was at the point of, like, he didn't have to back check. He didn't have to skate hard. He was just going to put up two points. And uh, actually, the two viewings that I had in person, he didn't put up a point in either of those games. So I was like, ah, like, maybe he's not that good. But then he goes to the NCAA and gets challenged quite a bit, and he was excellent. So he's the biggest – he's got the highest ceiling, for sure, of a player who's going to be picked out of the top 12. And whoever wants to take a risk on him – could end up really getting an excellent player there who's just like what is he six six right he's six five six uh six three one ninety okay well that's still good size uh but <laughs> I thought he was bigger than that but uh anyways like you know you're getting a player there who can score but can he score at the next level right that's gonna be the big question but I think he proved enough in his you can call it kind of like NCAA minus one season right because he went a year early mm-hmm. to the NCAA yeah. I think he's a type of, like, when you put up those kind of numbers in the NCAA in a year before you're drafted, 
it is very impressive. And I think the, the only thing that you wish was that he actually just stuck with being a center. Cause that's what he was in the BCHL. And I wonder if he yeah. goes back to it. Like think about bringing in a 17 year old to your NCAA team. And you have like 23, 24 year olds on your roster who have played center in the NCAA for like three years before. And they're going to bump this young kid to the wing. Maybe in like in his year two, as he's 18, they're thinking, okay, well let's get you back to center now. So I think if that happens, you'd really like this pick. And I think that's a possibility mm-hmm. of happening next year at UConn because maybe he was just like too young to really trust at center at that point, because you're asking a lot from a 17 year old when they're playing NCAA hockey. Like it's, it's a massive dis- difference between a 17 year old kid and a 23 year old you know, sort of man at that point. So like it's maybe he plays center. And I think that's probably a lot of the conversations that were had over at the dinosaur grill. Uh, a lot of uh, different prospects talking to GMs and stuff. Because, I mean, if he hits, he could be like Tage Thompson or like, I mean, maybe not dry side a level, but like that type of player, right? Like, he's yeah, just this like unicorn. I can't believe he's six foot three. He looks way bigger than that. Like, he, he you know, he's he's a thick six foot three. Which yeah. Is nice I to see, see six four age. on hockey DB. And then I don't know if, uh, you know, the, the combine numbers have come out yet. Maybe right. That's six three. But yeah, well, everybody's. I mean, he's, and he still has room to grow, <laughs> yeah. too, potentially, right? They're all going to so. lose like an inch and a half at the combine numbers come yeah. out. Because uh, they're, <laughs> they're not measured in skates like they are uh, from hockey teams. But yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, like he's. He, he might just flop and become nothing, but at least at that, like, I think that's, that's been said and that's, that's incorrect actually. Like he might just flop and become a fourth line guy. Right. And, and you would have to change his game. And I think a lot of players have to do that when they go into the NHL. Like I even think Zach Benson's going to have to change his game. Like he's going to have to change his game. He's not going to be able to do what he does in the WHL at the NHL level. So it's all about how these type of players who have huge, like very high ceilings to me, it's how can they, how are they going to execute that transition to pro hockey? And if Wood yeah. can do it in a good, like, it was like I said, like, I didn't know how his transition to NCAA was going to go. It went incredibly well. He produced at a, at a very high rate in the mm. NCAA. So maybe he's a type of player that can adjust in a good way. So I think that way you can not worry so much about him being a bust option and instead maybe being a guy that booms for you in the kind of 15 to 20 range. And the thing with Wood, too, is, like, a lot of his his value is the hockey sense and just his like passing and and handling. It's not so much that he's a big guy and like plays this power forward game. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess like sometimes those players are are frustrating to watch, but it's also nice that there's actual skill there and it's not just dependent on him being like a big bruiser. Yeah. Like if he gets, if he plays with a little bit of each of those things, like plays a little bit like a bruiser, but also kind of leans on his skills. He's, be an effective mm-hmm. player, and I love that he like uh, I think Drance is the one who reported these, but like uh, you know trains with Connor Bedard, and he's you know stayed with his family and stuff like that. Like I, I think I like like just knowing how Connor Bedard works. Like it's nice to know that Matthew yeah. is able to like fit in with Connor Bedard's family because I don't know what Matthew Woods' family's like, but the way that I've heard about Connor Bedard's family, like I guess Matthew Woods like cut out McDonald's from his life too after hanging out with them. For, uh, for <laughs> yeah, that's that's the same thing with Benson as well, right? Like yeah. I think he was pushed hard like that as well because you're trying to get play time on the same team right yeah I think that's the I don't know but now just like saying all the names I, I don't like any of them at 11 <laughs> still like I don't like Matthew Wood really at 11 unless you were just so confident and that's kind of with all the names that the we've heard the Canucks took out for dinner it's like unless you're so confident he's the best player I think there's going to be another guy there that makes more sense and I just you know like is Rhinebacker going to be there is Moore going to be there Dvorsky I, I really think is one that the Canucks have their eyes on like I, I think Dvorsky is a mm-hmm. guy that if he does follow that top 10 they're going to run up to the stage and take him at 11 so uh I, I don't know I I look I, I 
it's either it's the off season. We have to report on these type of things. Like Harmon did a really good job at the combine figuring these things out. Like asking, I don't know who he's asking or following around for dinners and stuff. He actually like he was telling me it. it the combine is actually a really fun time for a reporter because it's like, like I, I went to the NHL draft last year and it was madness. We were in this one huge room after the GM's meeting. There was about three hundred reporters, TV camera, everything, and it was like. Harm was telling me there's like six reporters front like at the combine. He said it was a blast to go to. So uh, he was able to actually like see the people coming in and out of dinner and stuff. But I, I wonder if these reports coming out, especially the last two, uh, the ones that weren't reported by Harm, the one that Rick tweeted out, like I wonder if somebody's getting in his ear, like, hey, mention Matthew Wood or like mention uh what was the who was the other one that he mentioned too? Was Matthew uh Wood? Zach Benson. Zach Benson. Yeah, be- yeah, Zach Benson. Yeah, we've talked about it a little bit. I-, I was curious if those were smokescreen names as well like that's just my read on the situation on how that came out you know two days after harm's actual you know real reporting of uh being there and being on the ground it just it's got a smoke screen yeah say like the two bc guys also went out to dinner as well yeah Yeah, exactly um but zach benson i mean he seems like a pretty exciting player i've i watched him play at the chl top prospects game he seemed pretty exciting he's a really good playmaker uh but he's not super tall. I know that about him, but yeah, what are your thoughts on him and should the Canucks draft him? Yeah, I mean, he's he's a very good playmaker, right? Like, I think he's going to be, and I'm not just talking about passing, I'm talking about like he can make plays on his own. He's going to be kind of just like a tornado in your lineup and, and you know, instead of like sucking everything in, he's going to be kind of creating for everyone around him. So he's like an opposite tornado. Like he's good at, but he's going to have to change his game, right? Like I don't think that the way he plays right now in the WHL is really going to be what he's like as an NHL player. I think he can probably take what he does at the WHL and be a hell of an AHL player, but that's not what you want from him. I think he's going to have to just kind of bear down a little bit because the defensemen you're going to be facing at the NHL level are going to be much more difficult than uh, that 17-year-old kid from Moose Jaw who's playing for, you know, a team like his hometown team in the dub and he's the third-pairing guy and he's just getting wrecked by Zach Benson. Uh, like, mm-hmm. I-, I think it'll be, it'll be very curious to see what happens with him. Uh, I-, I really, if the Canucks do draft him, I would be keeping a very close eye on his WHL season next year because if he's able to really grow his game and score at a ridiculous rate, you, you get really excited about him. But if he's kind of just doing the same old, same old and just kind of like resting on his laurels of just what he did in his draft year, I'd be a little bit worried about him. But I do think he's going to be an effective NHL player. He's not really... Like, I get excited about him, but it's not like an over-excitement. Like, you know, I'd be more excited... Maybe not. But like, yeah, like Dalvor Dvorsky, I think I might be more excited about. Just the fact okay. that he plays center. He's got more size. He was in an Al Svenskin league. He scored more than Jonathan LeCaramacchi did last year. Like... I don't know. He's a player that I'd be a little bit more excited about because of the the position type and, and the center ability. Like I, I like that player a little bit more in that spot, even though Zach Benson, like I know that he has a higher ceiling. I know that he has the potential to be the better player in the end. I just, I'm not so, so, so confident uh, in Benson. Like a lot of other people are, I guess. There would have to be some weird things that would happen in the top 10 to have Dvorsky slip though. Right. I, I don't I, know. I think, if you get two defensemen in there, right? Like, let's say, yeah. let's say a team does like ASP or Willander, and I think Rhinebacker is going to go in the top ten. Absolute lock for that, I think. So yeah, I, I think I'd be, I'd be surprised if there wasn't two defensemen in the top ten, and I think that might push. I guess Oliver Moore would probably be the guy that's like a more consensus top ten pick that would be first pushed out. Like, I think teams are going to go mm-hmm. with Dvorsky first, but. If that happens, I, I love Oliver Moore too. I think he's another really yeah. Good well, that was the player I wanted to ask you about as well. That like we haven't heard Canuck buzz on, and I don't understand why. Like he's insanely fast, 
His clips look amazing. I mean, there's the knock that he might not be a center at the NHL. He just like slot into left wing. But even then, you're talking about like high floors just being that fast you're gonna have utility in the nhl right god he's, he's so fast like there's there were times where i just had to like stop and when, when i was watching the u18s i just had to like stop and i'm like oh i want to like include this in a clip montage that i'm putting together but it's kind of just weird to like throw a clip in there of him skating from one end of the ice to the other with the puck on his stick and not scoring because i'm like i just want to show people like how fast this prospect actually is it's ridiculous he is i, I think by and far the fastest skater in this draft i think he's you know whatever Connor bernard's an incredible prospect he's not as fast as oliver moore like you're getting a player who's going to be able to break games with his speed and the fact that he's still just like an 18 year old kid who hasn't developed uh you know, Ryan Johnson always talks about this. He's like, he, he talks about this with literally every prospect. About how they, they just need like stronger legs, stronger legs. It, it's kind of, it, it's kind of true. Like, man, you, you're going to get a lot stronger when you start to become into that size body and like of turning into a 20 year old. And I think with more, like, I'm very excited to watch what he looks like in two to three years from now because I think he's just going to get faster. He's already at a level right now where his speed is like shocking. Like to watch him in the U18s against some of the worst, like some of the, the the teams that were kind of at the bottom of the barrel of that tournament, like it was it was ridiculous to watch him just skate around a guy like Connor McDavid type level speed compared to the NHL is what he was doing to the players compared to the U18s, which is very exciting. And he's buying far. Yes, to please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sold. Uh, so I guess, you know, I think we, we maybe talked about this last time you were on as well, but are there any sort of like sleeper players you're looking at? Uh, you know, the Canucks have a bunch of picks in the third and fourth rounds. Um, you know, are there any favorites you have, uh, you know, down around that, uh, those rounds? Yeah. Um, let me get my list out here. I got a whole bunch. Um, <laughs> like I said, a lot of right shot defense when I mentioned earlier. Like Dylan McKinnon's a guy of the QMJHL who's like super physical. He's six foot two, right shot defenseman. Uh, kind of ranked around 100 on a lot of people's boards, but I wouldn't hate the Canucks to go at 89 and, and take a right shot defenseman who had some like physical upside. Uh, Hoyt Stanley's coming out of the BCHL. I think he was Victoria, Victoria Grizzly. Uh, he's a right shot defenseman as well. Pretty physical player. Uh, in his own right. I like him. Jeez, uh, Oliver Bonk is kind of sliding quite a bit. He was like a first-round pick, a projection at the start of the year, but he slid a lot. Um, and then there's a center I like at the U18s, Dominic like Peter, but he's missing the second E, so like Petter maybe. Uh, but he's he's kind of a like center option there. Uh, you mentioned Wahlberg before, I think, and he's I really like him. Um, so he's a player to watch. And then there's, there's a couple of re-entries into the draft uh, Igor Sidorov like scored 40 something goals last year in the WHL as an 18 year old and he didn't get drafted the year before he actually played with Danila Klimovic uh, at Belarus uh, in that U18s that Jim Benning fell in love with uh, Danila Klimovic like mm-hmm. I, I guess Sidorov was kind of the guy who was setting up you know setting him up the whole time and then he went and had a really good season in the WHL um, so a nice little transfer from him Aside from that, like I like Axel Landon. He's a phys- very physical kind of uh, kind of plays like a douche, which I kind of like. It's like a, a sixth round pick. We need like, that. Nice, yeah, he's, yeah, he's like. Then you go to his Instagram and he you're like, oh, he looks like he plays. Uh, but like he he's a type of defense and that like, shots fire. You know, take a right shot. Fuck guy this like teenager. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's like the worst thing. I don't want the Canucks to draft Axel Sandin Pelican because I've talked so much shit about like oh, I, how God. I don't want them and like. You know, I, I do prospects for the Canucks a lot of the time, so I don't really want to do, like, uh, 
have to talk to this kid. <laughs> so I really hope I think there's no shot him. that they draft Sandine Belka. I don't think so either. Based on like the players that they've been like rumored to be looking at and his profile. Yeah. Just doesn't seem likely. No, and I'll just a couple more defenseman names I'll name off. Connor Smith was uh he played in the Memorial Cup for Peterborough. He's like a six five monster. He's been suspended like twice this year for hits to the head. Let's go. Uh, okay. Kind of like his style a little bit. And uh, <laughs> hell yeah. I think uh, Chase Cheslock is a right shot guy who's pretty physical out of the USHL as well. So like just I, go all defensemen, man. Like all those picks, like from 75, 89, 105, 107, uh, 119, take defensemen. Take defensemen yeah. every single time. Don't draft. Uh, wingers unless you're really 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 excited about following that prospect for the next couple of years and uh, I don't I just think you have a better chance of landing an NHL player with a defenseman in those rounds um yeah. another not it was obviously wouldn't be a third round pick but in a trade down scenario Simashev I know you've been spending a lot of time watching this tape. I think that was before the mics were hot, as we say in the biz. But, yeah, talk about Shimashev for a second. Yeah, I'm, I'm already really impressed with uh, Shimashev at this point, and I haven't even watched him play in the MHL, which is basically like the Russian equivalent of the CHL. It's the Russian Junior Leagues. And, like, I, I haven't even watched that yet. I've only watched the 18 games where he's playing, like, one minute a night up to, like, 13 minutes a night in the KHL. And I was already like, holy shit, like, this guy – skates extremely well just like honestly like just like swallows up uh like like Kirby like just freaking swallowing up every player that like crosses the blue line at him and then just like he's got such good length with his arms and combination of stick that it's just he shuts down so many passing lanes but he also does a really good job of his angles were so good of the best like route to the to get to the best scoring position he had that covered every single time like he was not beat ever in the way that would give you a drive towards the net. And that was so impressive because he's doing that in the KHL against, I think the second best offensive players, like the second best league when it comes to offensive creation, like it's probably the KHL. Mm -hmm. And he was able to defend a lot of that, even against like powerhouse teams. Like I watched his game against Ska where he played like seven or eight minutes and you know, looked pretty damn effective throughout that game. So I like Simashev a lot and I really like him if the Canucks end up trading down. He's also a Dan Milstein client, so makes a lot of sense. I was going to say, <laughs> and it's, it's only a two-year KHL contract, right? So not that unreasonable, especially for a defenseman. Yeah, and if anybody's going to get you out of a two-year KHL contract, like, you know, we do joke about Dan Milstein a lot, but, like, he is actually very good at his job. I think you watch yeah. how many Russians and Belarusians he's brought over over the past year uh, with everything going on in the world. It's It's... Like, he does very good work for these teenage kids who have, like, nothing to do with the war going on. But, like, he, you know, these he's able to get these kids out of that situation, get them in. Yeah. Room. That's a difficult thing to do. Uh, and he's been doing it for a long time. He, he does work extremely hard. Like, he's one of, like, agents that I can text, and I'll get a response within five seconds. Like, he's always wow. working. He is, an, he is a very hard worker. As much as we make fun of him and joke and stuff, he does do an excellent job for his, you know, Russian and Belarusian yeah. kind of guys that he has over there. With Simashev, is there is there room for any offense too? Because I think I remember reading that he was kind of hot offensively, like the last like quarter or third of the season. Yeah, he he was actually kind of just like better statistic wise in his 16 year old season in the MHL, and then everyone's like, "What the hell? Why isn't he scoring?" It took him like 30 something games to get a goal in the MHL, I believe. But uh, the things that I wrote about his offense, like he makes all the simple plays to extend offensive zone possessions, uh, and I just you see his shot, and it's 
I think when I watch prospects, you can see their shot and you see the mechanics of it and kind of the power generated behind it. And you're like, oh, like there's something there when he gets a little bit older. And I think that's what I saw with his game is the mechanics of his shot looked really good. Like he looked like he was getting power, but then the puck, the way it released off the stick wasn't what you were kind of expecting off of like the view of the shot. And then I was like, oh, like if he does get a little bit stronger, maybe he really can have some offense from the back end. But I like the way that he handled the puck. Like he really moved well with the puck at the blue line and, I tweeted out a video today, actually, that just, like, the first half of it's all just, like, him handling the puck and moving it up and taking shots. And you can just see that there's certainly, like, potential for growth. And I think that's huge because he's more of a lockdown defensive defenseman. But at least the shot doesn't look like a muffin. Like, it looks like it has some power behind it. It just doesn't really explode like you hope it would. But... I don't know. Some guys just take a little bit to kind of figure out that shot. Like Elias Pettersson's a good example of that. Like once he broke yeah, down his, his shot into the, you know, watch him shoot as uh, in his draft year. It wasn't the same shot that he's doing now. So maybe that's yeah. something that you can see grow uh, in Simashev's game. But I, uh, like I, just from watching him in the KHL, and I've done this over the past two days of just watching a ton of him. Like I've seen every game they play in the KHL every minute. I, I really think he might be the best defenseman in this draft. And the Russia factor yeah. makes it difficult, but I really do think the way he skates, the way he defends, he's six foot four. Like, he might legitimately be the best defenseman in this draft. And, you know, I, I was really hot on Rhinebacker a few months ago, and I, I think I'm at the point right now where, like, I've seen enough of everybody who's kind of in the consideration for it, like Willander, ASP. Uh, don't like ASP. I've said that 20 times on the show, but just want to get it in again. Uh, and then Simashev, like a... like 20 times. Continue. <laughs> like, like, uh, but uh, no, I think with, uh, yeah, I think Simashev could be the best defenseman in this draft. And if a team gets him, geez, at like 22, where he's like projected on a lot of boards, I've seen boards having him outside the first round. And I'm just thinking like, I, I don't think they've watched him. Like, I don't think yeah. that you're ranking Simashev at 38. If you've actually watched him, I yeah. don't think could that could be like an Alexander Nikishin thing where like all of a sudden it's like, Oh, this is like the best defenseman outside the NHL. Yeah. It's I, he's not going to be like, you know, when, uh, actually now Canucks prospect, like when Philip Johansson went to the Minnesota wild and shocked everyone in like 24 or wherever he went, uh, that's not going to be the case. Like someone, yeah. you know, the people who have watched Simashev are, and spent a lot of time watching him are going to be like, yeah, he's deserving of going 13 overall or wherever he ends up falling in this draft. And uh, I'd be curious to see, like that's, I mentioned Nashville earlier for a trade down option. I think Nashville at 15 is a very good spot uh, for Simashev to go and Nashville adding a defenseman of that caliber to what they already have on the back well, That's end. nasty. Like, it's scary, man. Two years of him <laughs> developing in the K and like, 17-year-olds don't play in the KHL. They just don't. Like, Vasily Colson didn't, and he was a, yeah. a top-10 mm-hmm. pick. And, like, you know, Matt Vay-Mitchkov, even though uh, he played 27 games, like, he wasn't all year long in the KHL. Uh, and I think Simashev, the fact that he's not a top-10 prospect and he was playing games in the KHL, like, that says a lot about the player and what he already is as a player who's still growing into that body. Now, do you like him at 11? I think or so. Or is that too much of a risk? I think I do. Like, I... I and when we, if you talk, if you mention all the players that were taken out to dinner, and then you let's say Simashev gets thrown in there, because I'm sure Milstein got a dinner with Patrick Alvin somehow, uh, yeah. <laughs> there, but like, I probably would take Simashev over these guys, like all five of the ones that they've taken out to dinner, just from what I've seen in the KHL. And like I said, I haven't even seen him play in the MHL where he probably is just dominating, like, nobody's probably getting around him. I haven't seen it yet, so I've like half, I'm only like a half scouting report into him, I guess, at this point, but. I think he's better. Maybe not Colby Barlow. Like that might be the one that you feel safer about. And especially with the Russia factor, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I think he's probably the only one who really, if you're making like a, 
consens- consensus rankings, I really think Colby Barlow might be the only one of the the five man dinner that uh, it might be better than Simashev in my eyes. If I was up there picking at eleven, sweet, wow, yeah. No, I'm I'm so yeah, excited I'm, for I'm this gassed round. up now. I'm, Let's get Simashev, baby. I'm I've been leaning towards Simashev just because I. I think I talked about my insanely stupid in-depth uh, fantasy hockey league last time you were on here, uh, but it's like a keeper league. We have like a, a 10 slot, like farm team roster. Uh, we do like our amateur draft every year, but I got Nikishin last year in a trade and I've been like mm. so stoked on him. So like, I like that type of player uh, and I'm, I'm kind of on the Simashev train a little bit, but I yeah. guess like, was he in, was he at the combine? Like were the Russian players at the combine? You know what? I don't even know. I because I, I don't think Mitchkov was because I, I was seeing yeah. some workouts of him. So I'm guessing not, right? I mean, maybe they just weren't invited because they're Russian. I guess I, I assume yeah. I didn't hear anything come out about any of the Russians. Anyways. Yeah. So so we don't know if the Canucks would have taken them to dinner, obviously, and we know that the Canucks have the Milstein connection and like the Russian player connection too. So yeah. um, there's there's a really funny Milstein thing. I listened to his radio hit on uh, Canucks talk, I think last week, and they brought up something that I. Like, I haven't personally seen Buzz except for us talking about it, which is Kuzmenko's like Instagram travels, how he was in Venezuela and then Dubai and now he's in Bali. And he's brought it's it was Pavel Datsuk's trainer with him hmm. to like work him out in unnamed location Indonesia. And then I just saw before we started recording today on Instagram. It was like him and his like coach, and he tagged them, and they're like in the gym in paradise. And Kuzmenko was like looking jacked; he was sweaty, his six pack was popping. So looks like he might be putting in the work. Yeah, oh yeah, I like it. You know, I mean, yeah, pretty cool. Milstein <laughs> fucking loves uh, Pavel Datsuk as well. Like he he brings him up all. I actually read Dan Milstein's book, which was. Uh, uh, I won't say anything about it because I like Dan. Uh, but it was a very, it was a very, it was one of those motivational type of books where it's okay, yeah, uh, a lot of uh, good motivation things. Each chapter was a different type of motivation. Uh, so I read his book. I'll say that it was uh, a book that I read. Sounds like a good, probably a good book to read if you're like sixteen. Yeah, it, <laughs> it's probably lessons that you've like learned already. I kind of had this experience when I was watching Blade Runner because I came to it late. I think I watched Blade Runner when I was like twenty five. And I was like, okay, it's good, but I've explored these themes in my head already. But man, if I saw that as a teenager, mm. game over. <laughs> yeah, I could have used that at like uh, eighteen. I would have been, I would have been good. Better life decisions because of Dan Milstein's book. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I can't remember what it's called either, but I feel like it's like this is. I feel like it's titled like "This is How I Did It" or something. I gotta look this up. It's it's very <laughs> yeah. Funny. Let's do it. It was a good. Uh, it was a good book name. Milstein book. I think he's got a new one now. Oh, no, here it is. Rule oh, number my God. one, don't be number two. <laughs> that's, that's so good. That's fucking, that's oh, he's got a bunch. Yeah. Yeah, he does. Yeah, there, there's rule number one, don't be number two. There's 17 cents in a dream. There's ABC, the lessons from a... The ABC of sales, lessons from a superstar, and street smart selling, how to be a sales superstar. Wow. I, I got this new microphone and I was watching like a microphone setup and they're talking yeah. about some, maybe this is some stuff that you learned at BCIT, Chris, but P's and S's and popping into mics and you can test them by doing like a lot of S sounds concurrently. And that was one. 
street smart selling on how to be a sales superstar you sounded great that sounded thank you awesome yeah well shout out to the fine microphone i got off of amazon.ca use promo code i hate this nah um (laughs) that was the the funny thing about uh bcit's mics was i've never had mics pop harder than the ones at bcit's like room because uh quads and i actually started the show when we were both students at bcit we were like recording in their little uh like radio station or whatever like the extra booth and it was Mm -hmm. the worst like saying certain like elias and it was just like boom it was hitting you so hard <laughs> and uh yeah those were like the worst mics i've ever used for a podcast <laughs> and it was like at the british columbia institute of technology which yeah i didn't learn about p's and s's because like half of my schooling was done through covid so i didn't like we weren't in school ever i a lot of the time i was in class um like over zoom at an abbotsford canucks practice like a lot of the time <laughs> i was like sitting in the stands waiting to talk to you know guillaume brisebois and just yeah sitting there in some class like trying to learn uh how to edit videos of, like some guy that i clearly know more than about like editing videos at the time this reminded me i wanted to ask you they traded the cool guy with the beard that hits people for future considerations oh, what the fuck Vinny what was Arsenault? that all about? yeah oh, man i really hope it was for him to be closer to his family and he requested it because fuck that Vinny Arsenault, big Vinny was the nicest guy. He is the longest interview I've ever had in my life because I was doing, I wrote an article for the AHL.com and it was supposed to be like a non hockey story article. And I was like, I'm going to do a fishing article uh, because there's a lot of guys like Will Lockwood was there at the time. He's a big fishing guy. And Jet Wu has like the world or the Manitoba record for the biggest catfish caught in Manitoba. What? Uh, That's and, cool as hell. And if you, yeah, I see a lot of Hoaglander fishing as yeah, well. And he wasn't on the AHL team, but he would have been a great fit at the time. Um, and then Vinny Arsenault, who's he's like very French and he's just, he's a lobster fisherman. He's a lobster fisherman in the summer. He's a, a hockey player during the hockey season. And like, you, if you go to his Instagram right now, it's like, him like with huge lobsters and stuff like it's it's awesome he's the nicest guy and then the the room absolutely loved him because nobody could fuck with Vinny Arsenal like big that jersey was probably the most consistent one I saw in Abbotsford was an 18 Arsenal jersey so I, I have a feeling that the Abbotsford crowd is not going to be happy that he's gone but I, I I'm hoping that it was because he wanted to be closer to home because he got moved to Providence which is like right beside uh his home in mm. Quebec so I think that's kind of what the situation uh that happened but yeah, I'll actually have to check in with him. Pretty because, soon. yeah, I, I was shocked when I saw the news came through. I, I first saw the Abbotsford Canucks post about thank you for your service or mm-hmm. whatever. I'm like, oh, I wonder what, like, what the? And then I, like, kept scrolling and I saw a trader for future considerations and it made no sense because, yeah, yeah in every Abbotsford Canucks game, you noticed him. Yeah, and, him like, yeah he was older, but, like. Yeah. yeah, and he was injured in the playoffs, too, and I was like, man, they really could have used him. But when I was when I found out about the trade, I was on BC Ferries and I was like, fuck I was mad because I love dealing with him like he was awesome to deal with the Blairs all loved him they all love talking about him as well because like he's kind of just like a legend in that room like he's he's a lobster fisherman who plays in the AHL it's awesome and it was the first time I bought one of those uh, $13 beers on BC Ferries because I was like fucking pissed me <laughs> off that they traded this guy who I just love as like a person so uh, yeah thanks fuck BC Ferries <laughs> <laughs> uh, not psyched about the new one to Nanaimo I am actually. That's because uh, I I live right beside Rogers Arena, and it's I can see where they're gonna be putting that one. So like, I don't have to drive because I'm right. I'm the boat without traffic, like thirty five minutes to either fucking Horseshoe Bay or Duke Point. So I'm like in between yeah. both. So it doesn't. It's nice that I can like 
walk down to the other one and just go across. So I am excited about that. So yeah, we'll see. It might be Frick BC Fairies in a couple months here. <laughs> Plus one of my buddies is like doing the, the promotion for them and stuff. So uh, yeah. You better watch what you say. There might be promo code <laughs> Canucks Conversation. Yeah. If you play your cards right. Convo CC. We've already gotten into trouble enough for having Canucks promo codes, so we can't do that. Anymore. Oh, really? Every time our sales department's like, yeah, your promo code's Canucks. And I'm like, yeah, they're going to love that. They're going to love that <laughs> deal with like a competing betting sponsor. Like, that's a good idea. So it's like every time. That's, that's actually something that I've thought about with like our show. If we were to like really pop off and get people like thinking about it and they look at the logo and it's like Finn in the Canucks jersey with the Canucks logo like stomping on flaming Vancouver yeah. like I'm sure there could be <laughs> some uh some concerns about yeah. that we're but... trying not to we're trying not to be that successful so yeah yeah smart move uh, <laughs> well well yeah I think I think that's everything I don't know Aaron did you have any other questions you wanted to ask Oh, no, we've been doing the 10 minutes post podcast talk for like 10 minutes. So this is great. We let the listener in on the experience. And yeah. uh, it's like a I got, one you know, there's like there's a cold open, but there's a cold close. Sorry, yeah. go for as it a, as a cold, cold close part. I wonder if that popped in the mic. But uh, <laughs> I, so I'm going to, to the draft in Nashville, which I'm super excited about. It's like Woo! less than two weeks now. Have you have either of you guys been to Nashville? No, I have I, not. I would love to go because my. Jesse, my my Twitch co-host, is from Nashville. He doesn't live in Nashville proper, but he's right outside mm. it. He has a toenail growing out of his penis. Well, oh, wow. he yeah, I mean we don't. Well, really when he know. was born. Yeah, exactly. Not anymore. But um, <laughs> uh, bring it back. Yeah, he's. I mean, I know it's just gonna have like great barbecue and just yeah. like great food. Um, and I've, isn't the arena like right downtown as well? Yeah, and I booked my hotel basically when I was in Montreal last year, I booked my hotel for Nashville because like <laughs> one of those trips. Yeah. I think I did it like, uh, cause I was like, Oh, it's gotta be in these like 14 days. So I booked like a 14 day stay and now <laughs> I've just like adjusted it on the hotels, uh, .com app or whatever to like yeah. actually fit the draft. And I have, I'm right across the street from Bridgestone. Is it still called Bridgestone? I right? think it's Bridgestone. Yeah. yeah so I'm yeah. like right across the street. And then I went and zoomed in and did like the street view and it's like bar, 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 bar the whole way. And I'm like, fuck, this is going to be like, I thought Montreal <laughs> was a really good time. Like, a, like the work part was great, but like the other parts were awesome. Uh, one of my best friends, uh, his, his fiance at the time was on her bachelorette party. So I also went on like a night of bachelorette parties and the, I was like <laughs> dressed in pink, matching all of the girls and stuff. Cause I went up, <laughs> bought a pink shirt and then I'm like sitting there at this dinner table and it was like all the Vancouver reporters. Like I didn't tell them that what I was doing. And then it was like Patrick Johnson, Gemma Carson Smith, and like JD Burke all walk by this bar and they look in, they're like, Oh, a bachelor party. And I'm like at the, like the girls at the head of the table who's like getting married. And I'm at the other head of the table and like matching pink. And they're like, what the fuck? That's just like, like, Oh yeah. Like my friends holding your pink dildo water bottle with like the straw that comes out of the head. Hey, what's up guys. I was so happy. I was so happy to drink all those sweet drinks out of penis straws with all those gals. Oh yeah, hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, no, like have, have Stephen, fun in Nashville. It's gonna be great, I think. When we did YKS that bonus episode, we did like thirty minutes on the arena food in yeah. Bridgestone mm-hmm. Arena. Uh, so I would the Cliff's Nose version of that I'd avoid it. Yeah, <laughs> That's don't the eat at the arena. Don't drink at the arena because Montreal yeah. had the the steamed hot dogs and they were so good. Like, oh my it, god, they brought them out at like nine in the morning on day two, and I was like sitting there. I'm like, I don't want to be the first one. Like first person to go have a fucking nine AM hot to dog. To break the hot dog seal. So it was like twenty five minutes, nobody went up and I was like, 
fuck this shit. Like the Canucks aren't picking in the second round anyway. So I was like, I wasn't, we didn't even get to the third round yet on day two. And I already had like two hot dogs. I was, cl- I was by far the first person to have a hot dog on day two. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's the way to do it for sure. I would love to get to a, a dra- I went to the draft when it was in Vancouver, but just for the first round, but right. I would love to travel for a draft. Aaron, we should, tra- we should, we, sh- we should that. do that. And we, yeah. it's a, it's a write off. Uh, the yeah. other thing I was thinking of is maybe we could do Penticton. Dude, do oh, Penticton. Yeah. Penticton's a yeah. blast. Cause that's like not as expensive. Like it's chill. We yeah. could see Colby Barlow, maybe. Yeah, that's a great idea. Cause he's gonna get drafted by the Flames. We should look into that. Is that is that in September? It's in September. Yeah. Okay. All right. We should actually look into that. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Okay. Well, any listeners, don't um, don't dox us for going to Penticton in <laughs> September for young stars. If we go. All right. Oh, well, we've gone on long enough. Um. Thank you, Chris, for coming on. Where can the folks find you if they don't know already? Yeah, uh, we're working on our YouTube situation, so just listen to the podcast <laughs> right now. <laughs> we got some shitty streaming service right now. Um, so listen to the podcast, uh, Canucks Convo. We're going to do like uh, kind of like two shows a week up to the draft and have a bunch of draft coverage at Canucks Army. Click all the ads, uh, click all the links, click all the ads again. Uh, Turn off your ad fine. block, you <laughs> yes. <Yep>. freeloaders. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're in a battle with like so Oilers Nation is like our brother site in Edmonton or whatever. They're the ones who started the whole Nation Network. And like we've been consistently beating them on like page views. So it's a big deal because they have like a full team, like, you know, big office and everything. And then here it's just quads and I. We're just yeah. fucking kicking ass for Canucks Army Hell for yeah. page views. So like, yeah, we do. I do really appreciate everyone clicking on the, the Canucks Army articles. I, I think we're doing a pretty good job over there uh, and have an awesome team. So it's it's really fun right now kind of doing draft coverage. Like this is my... It's my shit. Like, I fucking live for this. I drive out to Abbotsford <laughs> the rest of the season and watch fucking AHL hockey. Now I get to be excited about prospects that it Canucks my draft. So this is, like, my favorite time of the year. Hell yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks <laughs> yeah. for coming on. This Thank you. I, I love talking the draft as well, and uh, I'm more excited than ever before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. Yeah, hopefully nothing bad happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hope they're still picking 11. God damn it. <laughs> or 15 with a second-round pick. Sure, yeah. yeah. Yeah, either or. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. Sure, I make you mine with something special.